0: Welcome to the Paragold Podcast, Spirit Week Edition. This Friday is the Paragold Take Basketball Game, and because this is not only the greatest rivalry in our city, but also in our state, we thought it would be a lot of fun to bring each district superintendent on, along with the high school basketball coaches. Now, as someone who grew up in this city, going to these games, I found these interviews to be a lot of fun, and I hope you will enjoy them as well. Hey, if you're not already on our email list, subscribe today and you're going to automatically receive a chance to win a gift card to Skinny Jays right here in downtown Paragould. If you caught last week's episode with Max Bishop, you know that he said Skinny Jays had the best steaks in the world. That's literally what he said. And so, of course, we recommend the steak, but if that's not your thing, you can use the gift card to pay for any other delicious items on the menu. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and today I am joined by Paragold Superintendent Debbie Smith. Thank you so much for coming on, Debbie.
1: Thank you for asking me to be here. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so I asked uh, a few people who know you to share with me what comes to their mind when they think of Debbie Smith, the superintendent. Are you nervous?
1: Uh, A little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So here's what they said. Um, You are passionate about education, uh, meticulous attention to detail, intelligent quietly competitive a rule follower and a hard worker who isn't afraid to roll up her sleeves and get her hands dirty Um, is that fair does that seem to describe you pretty well i
1: think that's pretty fair yeah (laughs) i will i will agree with most if not all of that yes (laughs) yes
0: well okay good so i'd like to know what um yeah what got you to where you are today tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe just the road that you've had to travel that eventually led you to becoming a superintendent of a big school district.
1: All right. Well, I was born and raised in Greene County. I went to school at Marmaduke, and when I left, when I graduated from Marmaduke, I had my sights set on moving out of the area. I went to the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville, and I was a math education major. Never changed my major. I knew from an early age, I wanted to be a math teacher, and Mm. I had phenomenal teachers K-12. I had Mm. the best experience, and I contribute my decision to become an educator to my parents and to the teachers that I had when I was going through the school system. When I went to Fayetteville, I thought I'm going to be a math teacher, and I'm going to spread my wings and go somewhere else. And it's funny how... God has a different plan, Mm -hmm. and when I graduated from Fayetteville, I had an opportunity to come back to Greene County, and I took it, and I was the math teacher, Uh, actually, I was the math department at Stanford High School. Stanford. Yes, which is now part of the Perigold School District, so how interesting is that? What
0: was the years you were at Stanford?
1: I was there from 1988-89 school year and 89-90.
0: Wow, what was that like? I, that oh, it for?
1: was great! It was great. Small school setting, perfect for a first year teacher. I had the best mentor. Uh, they didn't have a mentoring program for teachers back in that day, and uh, if they had, my mentor would have been Miss Carol Croy. Carol Holler is her name now, and uh, she was a great asset to me. She took me under her wing and got me through that first year. I had wonderful people to work with. I can remember the building, the old Stanford building uh, was probably a WPA building, wood floors, big windows. It was just a great place to start a career. And I had fantastic students. Um,
0: How many students?
1: The district at that time, K-12, had 199 students. Uh, 199. Yes, wow. yes. Almost
0: broke the 200 barrier.
1: Almost, <laughs> almost. But great group of kids. Uh, actually, one of the young ladies that I had that first year and second year is now a teacher in the Paragould School District. Really? So I'm pretty proud of her. Who's yes, that? Kelly Boozer. Okay. She's a kindergarten teacher at the primary.
0: Okay, so you're at Stanford, and where do you go from there?
1: I went to Marmaduke, uh, and I went back home, and I taught at Marmaduke until I went into education, or until I went to administration. And when I went into administration at Marmaduke, uh, that was in the early 2000s and I was the superintendent for three years there and then I moved to Paragould and when I came to Paragould I wasn't the superintendent I was a math coach and I actually taught half a day I had three geometry classes at Paragould yes I enjoyed it very much and then the opportunity came up for me to be a federal programs coordinator, which I had done as part of my duties as the superintendent at Marmaduke. So I took that opportunity here in the district, and from there I moved up and became the superintendent, actually interim superintendent in the 2011-12 school year, Okay. and uh, then became the superintendent after that.
0: Okay. What years were you superintendent at Marmaduke?
1: 2004... 2005,
0: 2005, 2006, and 2007. So you were there in the whenever the F3 tornado came?
1: Yes, I was.
0: What was that like to try to lead? I'm trying to remember what what time of year was that? It was was April. In April. Mm -hmm. Yes, school's going.
1: April the 2nd, 6:02 p.m.
0: That was the time
1: on the clock in the building.
0: Wow. Where were you at when the tornado hit?
1: I was in Parable. Okay. I had turned on the news, and Ryan Vaughn mm-hmm. was already tracking the tornado. It apparently began somewhere in the Imboden area, and it was taking a an easterly path, not so much northeasterly path. And I was paying attention, and I just kept thinking that it would... Hopefully, turn to a northeast pattern and go out into the fields and disappear. It was so far away when they first started talking oh, yeah. about it; it really did not set in that this could be a tornado that would devastate the city of Marmaduke. Yeah, people so, don't
0: realize. I mean, you could. I remember you went when I, when I went to Marmaduke. I was um, I was a college pastor at the time. I was a college ministry there, and the first time I went, I was surprised that you could stand on one side of the town and just look across the other side of the town. It's like everything had been flattened, it seemed like Yes,
1: yes. Uh, as the as the tornado got closer to Marmaduke, when Ryan Vaughn told the community that if you're in the Leif area and the Marmaduke area, you need to take cover, uh, I knew I would be heading to Marmaduke. I really still was hoping and praying that mm-hmm. it would take that more northeast pattern, and that it would, again, go back up, and it would be a funnel cloud, not a tornado on the ground, which it had been on the ground for a long time. So I, uh, my husband and I got in the vehicle, and we headed toward Marmaduke, and as we were driving, we were beginning to be passed by emergency vehicles.
0: What time are you all driving to Marmaduke?
1: Oh, it was right after. It was right around six o'clock p.m. I mean, it was. I at was that point, headed nobody that
0: knew what to. You didn't know I what did you were going to
1: see. No, I I knew the emergency vehicles were passing us. We were pulling over, but I was still in hopes that it went a different direction and that they you know they were headed maybe to Highway 34 West to head toward Lafe. But as we got closer to town, to where I could see the tree line. I could tell on, well, first of all, the traffic began backing up. But I could tell on the first street, when you get into Marmaduke, the street that turns back to the west is called England Street. Mm-hmm. And I could see that there, there were some trees that were down, snapped. But when we got closer to the curve as you go into Marmaduke, we were stopped. And I was allowed to go on through by the gentleman who had stopped. And I don't remember if it was state police or sheriff's department. I'm not, I can't remember that. But uh, when we were allowed to go through, I, I told him I was the superintendent and I needed to try to get to the school. Because in my mind, I was thinking if they need a, a building, if they need a facility, hmm. I could get there, get it open, get it ready. Hmm. Little did I know that the building itself had been hit. Uh, pretty badly. So, What kind they, of damage, We ended up with about 2.5 million dollars worth of damage, wow. and when we were able to get there, it was a it was quite a feat just to get to the school. When we were going on 49 into the town, we had to reroute more than one time just to try to get toward the building. Goodness. And at one point, uh, actually got out of the vehicle And went across a ditch, and I had a student and his parent who were in a vehicle on Highway 34, and I asked them if they could get me to the bottom of the hill, the school entrance Uh there on Harvey's Chapel. And so I got in the vehicle with them, and they took me, because the power lines were down. You couldn't cross because the power lines were down. So they took me to the bottom of the hill, which is there on Harvey's Chapel, and I just remember running up that hill. And uh, as I was running, I was calling Keith Ritchie because he lives in the area, and he's administrator at Marmaduke. and I wanted to see if he was okay. Mm-hmm. And he thought something was wrong, and I said, no, i'm I'm just running up the hill to get to the school. And when I got up there, of course, I went in, and immediately to my right was the the gymnasium. That's the location mm-hmm. from the lobby. And I went into the lobby doors, and there was no roof on the high school gym. Now, this was a dry tornado. There, it was not wrapped. There was no rain. It was dry. I never knew that. It was dry. And so when I saw the gym, that's when it hit, when the roof was gone and I could see blue sky. So I started making my way through the rest of the building. And when I got into the most western part of the facility, which is the elementary, that's where I could really see the most damage. Uh, In the preschool area, we had an outside wall that was down that had hit an inside wall, and it had a domino effect. Uh, And insulation was everywhere. The bus shed uh, was heavily damaged. The buses had a lot of glass taken out. The bus shop, the bus garage, was... uh, demolished. And uh, when I looked out across the field, at some point, I could see toward the eastern side of town. And that's where all the houses were. And it was a true miracle by the grace of God that there were no lives lost in that tornado. What were
0: you feeling at that moment? Do you remember... Um, Cause you grew up there. I mean, was your house? Yeah, you know, that house you grew up in was it? Was it left standing? Yes. Oh,
1: yes, wow. it was. Okay. It was. But still, all it, these it homes, fine.
0: like these, weren't just like homes. These were like you could probably know, like that person who lived over there, right. Or, right? So, what were you feeling?
1: Well, my first, my my feeling when I first saw the building and I walked in, it was the shock of there's no roof on this high school gym. And then as I made my way through the rest of the building, and I could see the rest of the damage. It was just, I think you just have to take in what you're looking at because you would have never thought. I mean, you just don't expect it. But when you have time to look at it and then you start assessing, okay, what needs to be done, just the concern and the fear for loss of lives. You know, where are my students? Where are their parents? Where is my staff? Are my teachers okay? And that all comes flooding in, and then reality sets in, you need to be prepared. Mm -hmm. This facility may be needed, and and it was the staging center. The parking lot was set up as the staging center, and I can remember that they did evacuate the town, and they uh, had people actually leave. There's no electricity, and we were able to use buses to go help those people who could not drive their own vehicles due to the damage to the vehicle and we couldn't use our buses our buses were either damaged or we couldn't get to them because of the other damage so we were not able to use any marmaduke buses and the tree line up the drive uh, to the school from harvey's chapel the tree the the drive was a mess because there were pine trees that had been bent and twisted and snapped, and they those limbs were covering the road. So that was one of the first things we had to get the They cleared the road so we could get the, the traffic to be able to come in because the staging center needed to be set up, and we were going to try to use buses. Well, since we couldn't use our buses, uh, we were very fortunate because the Paragould School District mm. called and and asked if we need it. Yes, we need buses. Mm -hmm. I need some buses here to help evacuate the town if necessary. So it was a little while later, and I could see, you know, you can see a bus when it's coming. It has distinctive lights. It has the strobe on the top. You know that that's a bus Mm -hmm. coming Mm -hmm. when you see it. And I had gone back outside. It was dark at this point. And when I looked, I saw a bus coming up Harvey's Chapel Road, and it turned up the main drive. There are two drives It turned up the main drive. And when the bus pulled up, it said Paragould School District, mm-hmm. and the door opened, and little did I know, I mean, this is how it all works together, in that driver's seat sits Mr. Rick Norman, who is my director of transportation now, Mm -hmm. he opened that door and he said, where do you need me? Wow! And I was so appreciative uh, because they did use the the bus to try to go through town and pick up anyone who wasn't able to evacuate. So we were very, very great. So see, immediately, when one school has a problem, other schools... Yeah. They they just show up. They assist. They offer help, and that's just part of building that relationship with other superintendents and other community leaders because it takes all of us.
0: Absolutely, that's what community is all about. You bet. So you said it was two point what? How much damage?
1: Two point five million. Two point five
0: million. How long did it take out before you were able to get back up and running?
1: Well, we were out of school for seventeen school days, which I look back now. And that's not a very long period of time when you no, get especially hit by- whenever you think
0: about a, you know, what we've been going through and yes. like how long we were out of school just last year. Yes. 17 days. We were
1: out 17 school days, and what we were able to do, we had to bring in modular trailers, modular yep, okay. classrooms, yep. and we set up modular classrooms on the east side of the campus. So the ground had to be prepped, a lot of gravel being hauled in, we got the modulars in, and we were able to put our elementary students in those modulars. So that we basically we moved K-6 from the west side of the campus to the east side of the campus. And when we got back in school, you know, of course that changes your whole dynamic of Practicing for tornado drills because you better believe oh, we man. practiced before, but you really practice because these kids have experienced this. I
0: oh, had to have some PTSD. And
1: yes, and we want to make sure that that they feel prepared, that they're mm-hmm. comfortable, their parents feel prepared. Mm-hmm. So we practiced, and of course they would come from the modular into the main building, and we had our tornado drills there. But what we ended up doing was asking the State Board of Education, who granted our request, and we're very appreciative of that, to waive the days that we missed so that we wouldn't have to make them up in the summertime. Mm -hmm. And not only did they grant that request, they also allowed us to have a pause for one year on our state testing. At that time, we tested Algebra one and Geometry, and we had not tested yet, and we were able to have a a year delay of the testing, Mm. which was, you'd think, well, it was just a test, but it it was monumental to the students and the teachers to have that stress Mm. off of them. So uh, we were very grateful, and of course, we worked all summer long to get the buildings prepared, get it repaired, and move back in, and I just had such a great staff. Uh, Everybody was pitching in and helping out when they could, and I had teachers who offered and ran a daycare in the junior high hallway, the complete opposite side of where the children were normally uh, held, but they came in and they ran a daycare. I have employees who were, we had to put everything in Semi-tractor trailer. We we had trailers all over the parking lot. We did not have time to organize, and I'm such an organizer, but we didn't have time to organize whose furniture went where. It was a dry tornado. Rain was coming mm-hmm. in the next few days. So, again, we were very fortunate. So we put furniture in those trailers out all over the parking lot, and then when it was time... To bring the students and staff back to the modulars, we had to have a minimal amount of furniture. We only got what we had to have. And I just remember how hot it was in the summertime, and we were trying our best to get whatever pieces of furniture. So we were climbing in and around, up and down, all around that furniture trying to find, because the teacher would give us a description. And I remember Audra Martin, she was uh, at the in the Marmaduke School District, she was the uh, elementary principal at that time, and I can remember us being out there and her being on a trailer, me being on a trailer, and we're looking for one particular piece of furniture, and I can remember hearing her say, I found it. And we would get that out, but We just had so many people who were willing to help, and the community. We fed the community in the high school. They could come up, and we just had so many agencies come up and help. There were people who came and helped clean furniture. The insulation was everywhere. We had people who came up to help from all over Greene County and Mm -hmm. further. There are people who to this day will say, I came up and did I worked up there for a day I didn't know they were there Why? that it was it was that chaotic but it was a controlled chaos sure. after the fact once everything was yeah. put in place we were able to manage yeah, the a, comu-
0: it was amazing how the community rallied during that time I, I remember know, that I, mean, I, I was know. at a church that we opened up our building and, and we were housing people in the gym and mm-hmm. um, what I love about you know listening to you tell that is you said we a lot we were doing this we mm-hmm. were doing that and and you know, as an outsider looking in, when you think about a superintendent, you think, oh, man, nice office job, you know. And, and, and it's, it's a misconception, right, that, like, you're just kind of – you're actually outside of the chaos, you know. And the reality is – and this is that, – that story that you just told highlights how you're in the middle of it. And you're not afraid to roll your sleeves up. Like yes. I said about you, and get your hands dirty. N-
1: well, no, and that's the way I was raised, you know, I don't expect anybody to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do. What the director of the state facilities and transportation division drove from Little Rock on one particular day to meet with me, and when he got there, he told me this story much later. Not the day that he came, but he did, he did tell me later. When he got there, he didn't really know what to expect because he knew he was going in. He knew that we'd been hit pretty hard. We're in the middle of the school year. The town is devastated. It wasn't just the school that was impacted by that tornado. Mm-hmm. It was everybody. Yeah. So when he got there, he, he had to find me. And he f- said he finally found somebody that said, oh, I know where she's at. She's up on the roof. And he said, he asked them to repeat what they said. They said, she's up on the roof.
0: What were you doing on the roof?
1: Well, that's where the air conditioning units were. Uh, We never found one of them. But uh, go up on the roof of the high school, and uh, I was just surveying the damage up there and looking at the air conditioners. Wow. Just, yeah, but you just could just have what just
0: what sent somebody else up there and said, hey, go tell me what it looks I like. I
1: could, I could. Yeah. But also when when you put in, uh, a lesson I learned, when you put in temporary buildings that you know are only going to be there from April to the end of the school year because you are bound and determined to have everyone back in their respective locations in August, which we did do, uh, the, the plumbing code. Is non-negotiable, and even with temporary mm-hmm. buildings, you will bury those pipes 18 inches <laughs> below the ground. And we're on a time crunch, so uh, just give me a shovel, and uh, I I will help too. It just it was everybody. Uh, oh, wow. Mr. Bill Fisher showed up one day, walked in, and he said, "What do you need us to do?" Mm-hmm. From Paragol Light, Water, and Cable, mm-hmm. and at that particular moment. I looked at him and I said, I need these pine trees taken care of. They were mangled. They weren't going to look right. They Some of them would not have survived anyway. And the next thing I know, there are crews out there, and they're taking down the pine trees mm-hmm. and clearing them. They just took care of it. And see, that's a neighbor from down the road. Totally. They, I mean, they just came and offered, and as long as I could say, I need this, 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 that's So I always tried to make sure I had a list of things that I could give people to do.
0: That's good leadership, you know, rather than someone showing up and saying, what do you need? I don't know, right? You can give them a list. That that story highlights so well one of the things I love about our city, which is just that whenever it counts, right, we come together and we help one another. And um, that was not—the tornado was a big deal, but you've also experienced more adversity. So you all had a fire, and I didn't know about that until we were talking earlier. So when you went to Paragold— um, your gymnasium caught on fire.
1: It was the right. junior high.
0: The junior high. Okay. Yes,
1: yes. We had a fire in the junior high. It was recently, 2016, uh, July the sixth, 2016, and this is one of those times where I was out of town. Uh, I don't. I don't get. Out of town a whole lot. Yeah, uh, this is one of those that. times. I will confess, I was on the beach,
0: and I got <laughs> Good for you. I
1: got the phone call, and uh, the the fire had started in the junior high, and I was coming home the next day. So of course, straight home, and straight to the junior high, and I met Jeremy Mangrum, who oh. was assistant superintendent then, uh, and I always tease him because. His first official day on the job, he had the fire. So he handled it spectacularly. He did a fantastic job. And so got back and looked at the damage there. And it's quite extensive, the smoke, the the black smoke. And, you know, that is corrosive. So being a district who uh, we've, we've prided ourselves on the technology that we've been able to to utilize and provide for our kids. And uh, every device, every copier, uh, the fire alarm system, every computer, it was all ruined because of the smoke. So it wasn't so much the flames that was contained in one area, but it just spread so quickly. And I'll tell you something that really hits home to a superintendent The number one thing that we concern ourselves with is the safety Mm -hmm. of our students. And on that particular day, it was summer, Mm -hmm. we did have students in the gym, and they were evacuated so quickly. Uh, But just the safety, like at Marmaduke, looking out across there and seeing the devastation and worrying about your your kids, sure. and your parents, and your staff—same thing at, at Paragould with that fire. Looking at the video camera and seeing that smoke fill that hallway that quickly wow. uh, is—it's pretty daunting when you realize just how fast. Absolutely. And and I know that I've, i have everybody knows that smoke can—it travels so quickly and. Um, but when you see it and it covers, you just think, how fast could our kids get out of there mm-hmm. if that had been during a school day? But I will say, again, the the adults who were working in the building that day acted exactly like I would want them to. As soon as someone discovered the fire, as one of our custodians ran to the front, alerted the, the building administrators, then... On video, I could see him and two or three others running back past that particular area and getting to the gym, and they evacuated those kids so quickly. Wow. It was all, it was an instant, go tell that there's a fire, get the fire department on the way, get these kids out of here, do it all at one time. And that's basically what they did. And the fire department responds so quickly. Uh, They're great. We're so blessed with the Parable Fire Department. They are so well trained, and it shows. They took care of business very quickly.
0: Uh, How much damage did y'all end up coming up with?
1: It was about two million.
0: About two million.
1: And it it was mainly. And and you don't see if you if you're from the outside looking from the parking lot, you wouldn't know there was any damage in there at all. But we ended up with a fire alarm system painting everything all over again, it, it just, and it adds up so quickly. Oh, you know, yeah. you think, well, it's not a huge fire, but then when you look at how much the smoke traveled, because it just goes everywhere, and I'll tell you one thing that was a blessing, there's a fire door between the junior high and the high school, from when the junior high was added on to the high school, mm-hmm. and those doors were shut, and it was amazing to me in the junior high, you know, th- that smell is very distinctive. Mm-hmm. But you could walk from the junior high through those doors to the high school, and you didn't smell it anymore. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: It worked that well?
1: It worked that well.
0: So you have been through a tornado as a superintendent and a fire, and yes. now a global pandemic. Yes. So rewind. What was it like? You're watching the news like all of us, and you're thinking, sure, this isn't going to get here and... All of a sudden, it's very real, and there's talks of we're going to have to shut it down. We don't really know for how long. What has that journey been like?
1: Well, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, you know, at least fire and the tornado, it's it's an event. Yep. It happens quickly. You organize your thoughts, you get your plan, and you roll with it. Mm-hmm. The pandemic has not allowed us to do that. Uh, in a manner in which I would prefer. But I think we've handled it very well. And when I first heard about the pandemic, you know, we've heard about the viruses in other parts of the sure. world before. Sure, So there was that false sense of security. Well, we've heard about this before. Probably not going to affect us. Mm-hmm. Out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case, as we all well know. And in... March, when, March, I'll never forget, March 13th, Friday the 13th, when we all listened to the governor, we thought we were going to be in school Monday, March 16th. That was the plan. That plan changed over the weekend and Sunday. Just a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Then Sunday afternoon, it was announced that we would not be in school on March the 16th. And that forever changed education in our country. In what way? Uh, different. You can look at it positively. Mm-hmm. or You can look at it negatively. But it changed how we educate students. Um, you have on-site learners mm-hmm. who are here all day, every day. We have virtual learners who are not on campus at all. We have blended learners who are on-site part of the day, but maybe not all of the day. We have, of course, we still have students who have homeschooled and, and they, they're still homeschooled, but the way we deliver the education is different because the students are not all in the same yeah. classroom. It's, and you don't think
0: that's going back to the way it used to be?
1: I don't. I don't. Now, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, I've been wrong many times before, yeah. but I, I believe education has forever changed. Yeah. Uh, the opportunity or the option for students to have, to be virtual is now out there, and there will be students who probably will never want to come back into the traditional mm-hmm. setting. We have seen some students this year who who have chosen virtual and their parents have chosen virtual and they've changed their minds. And I think it's just figuring out exactly what that means because it's not really as easy, I think, for some parents. Some students have done great with it. I think it's just the individual child and the individual family situation that lends itself to one or the other. Yeah. Uh, And again... If I did not have the staff that I have, like I have at Peregold, it would be a more difficult task. Let me just tell you what our teachers are doing and And we've heard you know te- teachers are working so hard this year, and they're doing a phenomenal job. That is true. But when we say they're working so hard, I mean they are really, really going above and beyond. They are they are having to do things and are doing things that they've never had to do before. You, it's a learning curve. That's the stuff it, they didn't sign up for. It's, yes, yeah. it's a learning curve for kids, a learning curve for parents and staff. Uh, the teachers at Paragould <clears throat> all teach both on-site and virtual. We, we don't have a distinction between the two. For example, if you were a student in an Algebra One class Paragould High School and your class was first period you you as the student are on Zoom Mm -hmm. first period every day that is your class period we're following your schedule for consistency Mm -hmm. and to try to keep everybody together and that teacher has students in his or her classroom and they also have their students who are virtual at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, one reason we're doing that is because students may be virtual. They may be on site. And by that, I mean, if you have a student who's on site who ends up being quarantined, they're automatically virtual. Mm-hmm. No options. They need the same teacher that they have every day. Mm-hmm. We already have enough Topsy-turvy yeah,
0: situations yeah, yeah, sure. that
1: we, we need them to have that stability. So they have the same teacher. And then when they return to school, same teacher. Mm-hmm. We have teachers who may be quarantined themselves. What we've been able to do, this is how our teachers have been. We have teachers who are quarantined. We have teachers who have tested positive but may feel well enough mm-hmm. to teach. Jared, they're teaching from home it's reverse well, now picture this teachers teaching from home she's at her kitchen table she's zooming in and the kids are in the classroom it's and like then there totally are students yes then there are students in their homes so the teachers are teaching to every student regardless of where they're located but sometimes the teachers not even in the classroom that takes skill it uh, takes yeah. practice and it takes a lot of planning, yeah. and they are doing a great job. They yeah. really are. Uh, to say that our teachers are working so hard just doesn't sound like it's even enough. And to say thank you to them yeah. is almost minimal yeah. to exactly how I feel about how hard and, and how much time and effort. They're, they're putting in more time and effort than they ever have, and they did before. Our te- teachers across Arkansas and across the U.S., don't work 8 to 3.
0: Right. Yeah, 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 I, My wife was a high school teacher before she stayed home with our kids um, and uh, taught high school English. And I, I thought, you know, if I had known how much work a teacher puts in, I probably wouldn't have given them such a hard time whenever I was in school, you know, because as a <laughs> little punk kid, I'm like, we need to work 8 to 3. And you're off in the summers and Christmas vacation and all that. And it's like, nope, not at all. And so, yeah, our our teachers really are heroes. So um, here's a question I have for you that I'd be interested in getting your feedback on. I I know Paragould School District is a great school, and all all of our school districts are but there seems to be kind of a growing concern that i've heard among some that man public school is just not cutting anymore the world has changed they can't really prepare our kids for the real world and so whether it's you know the the problem solving they need or the relational skills i mean it's just it's, it's not working um i'm guessing you don't buy into that so, not at all <laughs> yeah yeah speak into that if you can
1: I sure can. Uh, I, I really, I've seen, I've seen homeschool. Uh, there are parents who do a great job. I, I am not knocking homeschool or online schools. I think every kid has individual needs, but in the public school, I really believe that we are preparing our kids. We have so many opportunities, just like other school districts across the state. We have so many that people are not even aware of, especially people who don't have kids. Mm -hmm. But just, number one, you've got the social interaction of the student, Mm -hmm. student to student, student to teacher. A lot of our kids get something from school that they can't get at home. Sure. Uh, we, we provide so many services to students that they wouldn't have the opportunity to have if they weren't in public school. And we don't push our kids to all go to college. You know, there was a time period where it was college, college, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the case. We have career Uh, opportunities for our kids. We have, just as examples, we have a JAG program, it's called Jobs for America's Graduates, where kids can get credit. Now these are high school courses. Get credit and they work and they have the mentor who is the teacher in the school system we have teacher cadet program we're trying to grow our own teachers at Mm paragould we have kids who are interested in becoming teachers or they think they might be Mm -hmm. interested in becoming teachers we have a program for that that allows them to get a little bit of an experience uh, to help them make a decision we have Agri, we have jrotc we, have, we bus students to the Northeast Arkansas Technical Center in Jonesboro every day. Every day there's a bus that heads mm-hmm. to Jonesboro. And there are several different course opportunities at Jonesboro for those kids. That district is large enough, and it's several districts coming together. It's just located on their campus. Mm-hmm. We also take students to the Black River Technical Center for hmm. nursing programs. So the opportunities are so different than what they used to be. Sure. And I I, I really think we're, we do a better job now. And the more opportunities we can offer, the better off for our students.
0: Totally. I, I like how you said you're not trying to just push everybody into college because, you know, I've— the more that I've, I've tried to research this and think about my own children, you know, I've got three kids, two boys, and I was talking about my boys the other day, and it's like, you know, I, I'm not sure I would encourage them necessarily to jump right into college, especially at 18, because you see so many people that just change their majors. They have no clue. I mean, your story is kind of the exception to the rule. Like, I've always known I wanted to be in this world. It's like, <clears throat> it almost seems like, man, like, go learn a trade first. Like, go become an electrician or a plumber or a heat and air guy, because, I mean, in our world especially, you're going to be able to name your price um, because so few people can do that anymore and do it well. And it's like, go do that. And then if you decide later you want to go to college, do it. Um, and it just, yeah, it gets me excited to hear that parable is even thinking in that way. And I'm sure it's true that the other districts of, hey, you know, every kid's different. And there are a lot of possibilities out there. And, you know, one of the things that I'm curious about, and um, you touched on it a little bit, but, you know, I think about, again, my wife homeschooling our three kids. And our three kids, they've grown up, in, they're in the same home same parents they're all so different and their learning styles are so different and so I think like one of the concerns people have is like man my kid's going to get lost and they're going to like fall into this like here's just this template you've thrown on it and and they're not going to be taught to their learning style and you have any thoughts on that
1: oh absolutely because see and I can gauge things perspective off of my time as a student and then my time as a teacher and now as an administrator and how things have evolved over the years. You know, we've, in the past, I will say years ago, it was very difficult. Well, I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was not the norm to individualize instruction. Mm-hmm. That's the norm now. Mm-hmm. It is so individualized to each student's needs and, again, who is able to pull off that individualized instruction? Our teachers.
0: Hmm. In what way, and What? How's it changed? How are we able to do that now?
1: I, I, I believe a lot of it is just looking at each individual student as academically, and I'm thinking academics. When we assess these kids and we know where their gaps are, not only do we have the support staff that can help with our paraprofessionals who do a great job, our teachers have fine-tuned it down to, what does this child need? And in no longer, if you walk into a classroom, you're not going to see a teacher standing at the front of the class just giving direct instruction to 25 to 30 students. That's not... The typical. See, that was my
0: days. So that's what I that was,
1: that was my days, too. And it, and it worked for us. I say that. It might not work as well for everyone. Sure. I learned okay sure. that yeah. way. But now you'll see where teachers will have small groups of students. You'll see learning centers all in the classrooms where kids are moving. And the teacher may have... Everyone may be in an elementary setting. They're all working on one particular thing quietly. The teacher pulls students back to a smaller table to give that small group or individualized instruction. Time management is a, a teacher's friend. Mm-hmm. When they get that time management down, they can work with so many different kids. And we're very fortunate in this. It's something that's different from when I was in school is the technology
0: yeah
1: we didn't have the computers we have a computer now we're we've been one to one school district since 2015 but we have a chromebook for every one of our kids well it's not just having the device we've got the infrastructure we've got the devices but now it's how do you use the device what good is the chromebook If it doesn't help the student learn, Mm -hmm. it's not, you can't just say we have the Chromebooks, oh, okay, that's wonderful. It is wonderful. But when we assess our students, we have adaptive programs, math and literacy in particular. They, those programs will adjust to the student's learning. If a student doesn't do well in a certain area, the programs are adaptive and they will move down to a level. And the teacher can adjust that individually. as all. It's, it's not just that the computer has control, mm-hmm. but the teacher can adjust or the program will be adaptive. And we have seen great gains in that. But we don't just put the kids on the computer all day. And I wonder sometimes you people think since we are a one-to-one district, just how much are we using the computers? Mm-hmm. We will use the computers, especially this year during the pandemic. That's that's the communication tool sure. oh, yeah. back to the classroom. So, but with those programs, it allows the, the students, when they have specific time in the day, to be able to utilize the program. And we've seen great gains with our kids. And we've got a, we've got a gap. Uh, and I know we're talking about other things other than just the pandemic, but academically, we've got some great things going on in the district. And there are the challenges the challenges are going to be the student achievement mm-hmm. with the pandemic and the gap. You mm-hmm. have to remember, our kids were not in school for nine weeks during the last school year. Nine weeks is one-fourth of an entire school year that they did not get their regular instruction, and, the, and then they were disconnected from that teacher. So we have that gap. Then we have what we typically call the summer slide Everybody has it. Sure. Students will regress during the summertime, and we get them back on track. Mm-hmm. And then this year is not cut and dry. It's not as if the students are not all in the classroom with the teacher. Yeah. Some of them are some of the time. Some of them haven't been at all. If they're quarantined, they're out. When they're not quarantined, they're back in. The teacher may be quarantined. So we, we are working very, very diligently to close that yeah. gap that to no, no one's fault, the gap is occurring nationwide yeah. because of the pandemic. And we're able to close that gap with the programs. And, and we already had tutoring that we had going every K-12, tutoring after school. We ran second waves of buses because we know some students can't tutor, mm-hmm. can't stay if they don't have a way home. So for the last Two or three years, we've had after-school tutoring, and we take kids home. It'd be 6, six 15. There'd be a paragold school bus going down the road. That's what it was. It was a tutoring bus. Well, due to the pandemic, we're not able to do that to our full extent. So we're looking forward to being able to get back to as normal of an environment Absolutely. as possible. Yeah, sure. So we've got some great things going on. And even with the pandemic, I'll say in two thousand. 15, 16 school year, we started a program with our AP scholars at the high school, mm-hmm. and we offered an incentive because AP exams are very difficult, very difficult. And we wanted to give an incentive to our kids, so we have been using donations from the great community of Paragol mm-hmm. once again, and we offered a hundred dollars for every passing score on the AP exams. Oh wow! The first year
0: you could have got my grades.
1: <laughs> the first year we we had about I believe it was twenty four passing. You know we were not pleased with our passing rate because we know our kids are smart enough to pass that test. So we got the incentive. This last year, now keep in mind, 2020 pandemic we had 106 passing.
0: Incredible. So even
1: in the pandemic, we, our kids are still learning. We're still moving forward. It's just at a different speed and not exactly on the same path yeah. as we were before the Man. pandemic.
0: That's a beautiful. You know, and I think about, this is the first time we've had a chance to really sit down and have a conversation like this. And just another word I would use to describe you, which also uh, describes the school district. I think, that you lead is the word resilient. And so, you know, you think about something that is resilient, it's adaptable. Like it's when the wind blows, it doesn't break, it doesn't snap it in half. It's able to kind of go with it. And it doesn't just survive stress, but it thrives. And and that's just that number you gave, um... And you guys are thriving even in the midst of the pandemic. And so that's incredible. I want to be mindful of our time. So I think I'll I'll end with this question. I hear a lot of great things about Paragould. You've hit on some of them. But as we end today, I'd just like to hear from you. What are you most proud of as you think about maybe um, whether it's something, an accomplishment from the past or where y'all are or maybe where you're going? um, What gives you a great sense of pride as you think about the Paragould School District?
1: Well, I'm going to use your word the resilience the resilience of the students and the staff the parents and the community of paragould i'm very very proud to be where i am and to work with the people with whom i work Um, since i've been at paragould one thing that i i feel like has been an accomplishment for the district not not maybe not for me personally but uh, the the building process we have a primary that we that we built. Mm-hmm. Oak Grove Middle School had a large addition. Then they had a new gymnasium at Oak Grove Middle School. We have uh, three new facilities being built right now: band, JROTC, and Agri. Wow. Three new buildings that are going to be open during this school year. Really? In the, during the pandemic, we are building. Want to get a so, tour of those Absolutely, they're absolutely. They, they're they're great. The buildings I, I went through again yesterday and. I'm very proud of that. I just want to be able to provide the absolute best of everything to our kids. They deserve it. And I've, I believe we've got the best staff possible for our kids. I, I have no qualms about who's educating our kids and what's going on in those classrooms. As you and I sit here and speak, I know what's going on in all the classrooms in the district. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, just the, the support staff, we've had people step up and just do things that are amazing uh, even during a pandemic they're just willing to you know the pandemic is not it might change the way we're educating but it's not going to shut down our willingness to thrive mm-hmm. and to move forward and succeed and it's and it's all for the students in our district that's why we're here
0: mm-hmm. well that is a great place to end um Thank you so much for coming on. This You're has welcome. been great. We're going to have to have you on again. Oh,
1: so. absolutely. Really I've enjoyed it. it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah,
0: thanks for coming on. So that was Debbie Smith, Superintendent of the Paragould School District, um, and I really enjoyed having her on. I'm going to be honest, Bill. As you know, you know we homeschool our kids, as I mentioned to her. But mm-hmm. after hearing her talk, I mean, I don't know, man. Might have to consider putting them in the Paragould School District. I was really impressed. Very um, impressed with. Yeah, with Debbie and, and yeah, what all the school districts doing. Yeah, and I, I just have such a deeper respect for educators. After being with her, listening to her story, thank you, educators out there, for all that you do. We, we're really thankful for you. Yeah, absolutely, especially all that they do in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, absolutely. Completely underpaid, underappreciated. But, yeah, if you are an educator listening to this, thank you so, so, so much for taking care of our kids and doing what you do. That being said, we're going to come to an end here. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Paragoldpodcast.com. Paragoldpodcast.com. Subscribe to our email list. Keep listening. Until next time.